It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Today is Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. And we're here tonight with Walter Chick. And Walter is going to talk to us about jurisdiction and other related things. Walter? That's right. All right. That's right. I'm here. Okay. So take um, it away. Well, to start out with jurisdiction, okay, this is... Uh, with the public servants that we're dealing with out there in these courts, okay, if we don't have a contract with them in any way, shape, or form, uh, they have to have the jurisdiction over us somehow. And so to start out with, think about this. When you go to court and the attorney or the counsel on the other side or whoever is asking you questions in a case uh, or even a written, written case, you can say, you know, by what by what jurisdiction are you asking me these questions? Or or what or what jurisdiction are we relying on to ask me? Because they have to have this jurisdiction, subject matter or otherwise, to deal with you. If there is no jurisdiction, there is no matter to, to discuss and there's also no case. So this is the first thing to think of. Now Along this line, uh, there, I have some different quotes in here, which are very good. Uh, this is under Utah Power and Light Company versus United States. It's under 243, U.S. 389 and 409, and United States versus Stewart. And uh, there's another case in there, and it says, whatever the form in which the government functions, anyone entering into an arrangement with the government takes a risk of having accurately ascertained that he who purports to act for the government stays within the bounds of his authority, even though the agent himself may be unaware of the limitations upon his authority. Now think about that. Say that the people that coming in dealing with the government, they have to basically ascertain who they're dealing with. Just like somebody comes to your door and says, well, I'm the milkman. No, you never saw the guy before. He has a milkman outfit on or a breadman, whatever. He wants to come to your house and deliver or whatever. And, you know, you, you ask for an ID, right? Say, well, I, I don't know you. Let me see your ID. Or you call the outfit that you're dealing with normally and say, well, clarify that he's a milkman or breadman. I'm just making this up. But uh, if you get the idea, well, what's the difference between someone coming to your door and say, are you so-and-so? You know, we want to deal with you. Well, then, first of all, you want to challenge him who he is. You want to verify who he is, right, along this line. Now, beyond this, uh, as far as public officers go, uh, they are merely the agents of the public whose powers and authority are defined and limited by law. Any act without the scope of the authority so defined does not bind the principle, and all persons dealing with such agents are charged with knowledge of the extent of their authority. And that's that particular thing comes from Continental Casualty Company versus the United States. That's 113F2D, 284, 286, uh, 5th Circuit, 1940. So, and then another item is very key. It is not the function of our government to keep the citizen from falling into error. It is the function of the citizen to keep the government from falling into errors. That's under American Communications Association versus Dowds, D-O-U-D-S, under 339 U.S. 382, 442, this 1950 case. And then under jurisdiction, jurisdiction once challenged cannot be assumed and must be decided. That's Maine versus uh, 
asked you about it, uh, 100SCT250. Uh, so, so basically, this goes along with jurisdiction, goes along with claiming the proof of claim. Some person has or says they have jurisdiction. You can't assume or presume it exists. Okay, you can demand their claim and proof of claim that it exists and have it signed and sworn to one dependence of perjury. Now, one one example I've come across, and I just ran across this today, is, for example, when the court is coming against a party and they're addressing them and they're all capital name, they're all capital name can be considered a decedent. Now, as a decedent, there are certain things that need to be done. So the first thing you can say is, okay, as a, if I'm a decedent, where is my death certificate? And they can't provide it. But the second thing as I came across, which is really neat, is that if they do this, if they, they can't contact the decedent directly, but they do have what's required to have a creditor's claim, which is put in against the estate and is sent to the executor. This deals with the probate court. So basically, all of their actions and proceedings, whether it's in dealing with the police and courts and uh, federal courts, judicial courts, all of these, they only deal with probate matters because they're only addressing the decedent if that is the case for you. Most people don't know this. Um, and then well, another uh, area I thought of is uh, this is. Um, well, this is a quote here uh, under Norton versus Shelby County, 118 U.S. 425. Uh, it says, the unconstitutional act is not law. It confers no rights, it imposes no duties, affords no protection, it creates no office. It is in legal contemplation as inoperative as though it happened. It has never been passed. Okay, and then quoting from Marber. Marbury versus Madison, 1803 case. Marbury held that the void act is void ab initio. That's from the beginning. The Constitution requires that the judiciary to refrain from enforcing laws enacted contrary to the Constitution. Now, one example of this you can bring up, for example, people are constantly being uh, in cases like foreclosure and credit card. Uh, problems in other areas, especially with debt collection, uh, they are not, be, not being given a trial by jury, which is in violation of their constitutional rights. So along this line, when these parties are moving forward in this line to have all their rights abrogated in this manner in not allowing you to speak and not allowing you to to obtain evidence from the opposing party as far as their claim and proof of claim, okay, that is that really falls under the area of a writ of attainder. And this rate, this particular process basically is unlawful. It's also illegal. Uh, I, I look at a uh, writ of attainder similar to coming in and not affording a due process uh, for, for, your, for your legal rights. So, uh, along this line, there's a case that came out a while back, and it's, it's uh, Macias, it's M-A-C-I-A-S versus Ide, it's I-H-D-E, and the parties that did the constitutional violations were charged $15 million in gold, Okay, which is a pretty good amount. So basically, I use that as a is a point uh, as far as what a person's rights are worth, as far as coming in, putting a notice of claim, notice of lien against these parties that are doing this. Right. Now, uh, another thing here. Hold on. The uh, second, second. Okay, go okay. ahead. Okay. The state citizen is immune from any and all government attacks and procedure Absent contracts. That's Dred Scott versus Shanford, the 60 U.S. and then and that's uh, 19 H.O.W. and then and then 393. Or as the Supreme Court has stated clearly, every man is independent of all laws except those prescribed prescribed by nature. 
he is not bound by any institutions formed by his fellow men without his consent. And that's Cruden versus Neal, 2NC338, uh, and then 2S period, E period 70. Now, when you think about this, okay, this is ties in exactly with what we're doing. We're coming in, we want to have a peaceable existence as a man or woman, as case may be, and we don't want to be bound by these institutions. And what are the institutions? Well, you take a look at these government institutions, which are really corporate institutions, acting as government institutions, and they have millions of statutes, codes, rules, and implementing regulations that they are so-called imposing on us to obey, but in fact, we're not the ones that have to obey them. They're the only parties that are required to because they are the parties to the Constitution. We are not, real simple. So basically, when you have a position where you're in a court and your your rights are being abrogated or you have a hearing and you have a ruling against you without a trial by jury, okay, you they are essentially impeaching you. And when they impeach you, they you have a right to come in and demand what they are impeaching you for. Well, first of all, they're assuming that you're a public official or a public, a public officer of some kind. So you can demand to say what your title is as that public official. Then, then you demand to see what your compensation is for that public official and then where you reside as a public official, and that has to be in the in the uh, possessions or territories of the United States, or, which are not the 50 Union States. And then you have to demand, okay, where, what action did I do against the Constitution to be impeached? And then who are the, the delegates in the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate that voted for my impeachment, and then where was my impeachment trial held, and what were the results, and what and what was the determination for my punishment, okay, and removal of office. But they don't have anything, and basically they're they're dealing with assumption and presumption, and entering uh, entering their assumptions and presumptions as evidence into your case or into your matter without your consent, they're setting up a constructive trust for you using your name, and then they're also coming in and setting up a a crisis for you without your consent. When you think about this, and it's called also called harassment, and you're spending a lot of time trying to fight all these animals that are coming against you. So there are a lot of things that, that you know, people's rights are being abrogated along these lines, but people people have to know how to Come in, come out and charge back because the best best offense the best defense is a good offense, right? And uh, one one book you can look look at and read is called uh, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. It's T-S-Z-U. He was a Chinese and he basically was a military manual who wrote uh, thousands of years ago thousands of years ago dealing with uh, battling uh, an enemy. And you can use those concepts if you read through there dealing with any court situation or dealing with, with public officials, and I would highly recommend it. Now, um, here's, a, here's the next thing here I want to talk about. Uh, this is a quote here from Hale versus Henkel. It's H A L E versus H E N K E L. That's under 201 U.S. 43 at 47. And this is a short paragraph. This is. The individual may stand upon his constitutional rights as a citizen. He is entitled to carry on his private business in his own way. His power to contract is unlimited. He owes no such duty to submit his books and papers, for example, for an examination to the state, since he receives nothing therefrom beyond the protection of his life and property. His rights are such as existed by the law of the land or the common law, long antecedent or previous uh, to the organization of the state. And the word state, by the way, if you take a look at the word state, that only refers to the the possessions 
uh, and the territories of the United States Corporation, which are outside the United States. Anyway, beside that, and uh, as far as the state goes, it can only be taken from him by due process of law and in, cor- in accordance with the Constitution among his rights or, re- or a refusal to incriminate himself and the immunity of himself and his property from arrest or seizure except under a warrant of the law. He owes nothing to the public so long as he does not trespass upon their rights. And that is very clear. Now, does anybody have any questions so far? I've covered a lot of stuff all fast. <clears throat> if you have any questions, hit star eight on your phone. And we'll call on you. Star eight, please. If you have any questions, okay. Mr. Arizona, go ahead. Good evening, guys. Uh, sounds so good so far, but this last uh, part here where an individual may have unlimited right to contract and protection by law of his life and property, what was that case? That's, that that was, uh, I believe that was a Hale versus Hankel, H-E-L. H A L E versus Hankel, H E N K E L. That's under 201 and U.S. U period S period 43 at 47. That's the reference. U.S. what? U.S. 43. That's 43 at 47. All you have to do is look at 47. All you have right. to do is look up Hale versus Hankel. It'll oh, come up. Just wanted to make sure I could. That was a beautiful statement. Wouldn't it be nice if free enterprise could flourish in America? Well, I agree totally, okay? And what I'm trying to do with these programs is have people wake up and have people do something about what's going on and shake up everybody else around them so we can have a better world. I like the part, unlimited right to contract. Um, I've had zoning try to say they can limit my business and no further expansion will be allowed. Can you imagine saying something like that to Ford Motor Company or GM? (laughs) They said it to me. I even have it in writing. Unbelievable. Well, well, I am familiar with the case, and as far as what happened, it it is not – it's a regular as far as the law goes, but it's regular as far as how the courts operate, which is unfortunate. And that's why we're trying to get people waking up and know what their rights are. Yeah, that's we all need to be standing up for this. It's not just two people, it's everybody. If they right. haven't come through yet, they will. Okay. Do you have any more questions at this point? No, thank you. That was great. Thank you. Hit star eight on your phone if you have any questions, please. And we will call on you. Otherwise, okay. Keep on keep on trucking here. Okay. Hold this on. Is in, okay, I'm waiting. Go ahead, Ronald. You made, you made reference to uh, Amasia. Uh, I'm not correct, probably, but... Uh, some reference to 15, the claim was made, 15 million in gold, and you didn't, you talked like it was a case you were going to give us some more tidbits. Well, that's, that's under, that's under Macias, M-A-C-I-A-S versus Ide, it's I-H-D-E, you can look it up. All right. What was that case about? What was it, what well, it, it has to do with, it has to do with with uh, basically breaking people's constitutional rights. A person has constitutional rights, and basically they were abrogated somehow, and basically uh, they they were sued. Uh, the person who did it was sued, and it came back to $15 million in gold, I believe, on that one. What was this? Was that an 1,800 case? Or? No, that was a recent case. I think it was probably the last 10, 10, 15 years. Oh, pretty okay. recent. What was those names in the case again? Okay, it was Macias, M-A-C-I-A-S, M-A-C-I-A-S 
versus IHDE, which is I-H-D-E. I-H-B-E? Uh, no, I-H-D as in dog, E, I-H-D-E. Okay, thank you. All right. Now, any more questions? I guess, uh, but, but I'd be does not appear to be. So go ahead. Good. All right. Now, the next I'm going to get into. Uh, this is a quote. This is another uh, Supreme Court case, McNally versus U.S. under 43 U.S. 350 and 371 or 372. It was a 1987 case. This is quoting U.S. versus Holder under 816. F2D and 304, 307, quote, fraud in its elementary common law sense of deceit, and this is one of the meanings that fraud bears in the statute. The statutes, the United States, I'm sorry, versus dial 757F2D163 and comma 168, that was done under the Seventh, seventh Circuit, 1985. Okay, this, this fraud includes the deliberate concealment of material information in a setting of fiduciary obligation. A public official is a fiduciary toward the public, including, in the case of a judge, the litigants who appear before him, and if he deliberately conceals material information from them, he is guilty of fraud. Okay, so is it saying here that judges and these personnel are not able to be harmed by their actions? No, it says they can be guilty of fraud in this case. In other words, they are not immune in their actions when they are committing fraud and other things outside of their sworn oath, right? Now, next thing, this is under um, your, uh, under evidence, section 190 and page 193. This is from the Eighth Circuit in 1952. Uh, it says, the law creates a presumption where the burden is on the party to prove a material fact, peculiar, peculiarly within his knowledge, and he fails without excuse to testify that his testimony, if introduced, would be adverse to his interest. Okay, so that's also citing Meyer versus CIR on 199F2D392,396. Okay, next one is um, the notification of legal responsibility is the first essential of due process of law. Now, think about that. You've got a notice of legal responsibility, okay, so a notification of, okay, when someone comes against you, what, and then they basically come against your rights or whatever, do you sit there and just charge them like a bull, <laughs> or, or do you notify them and say, hey, you're doing something wrong, all right? So you notify them in court or other areas where it was applicable that they have legal responsibility as they damaged you or trying to correct the problem. Uh, and basically this requires due process of law to follow through. And this is under, uh, well, some of the areas that uh, this comes under U.S. versus 12 under 550 F2D uh, 297. This silence can only be equated with fraud where there is a legal or moral duty to speak or when an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. Now, uh, along with silence, is called this is called tacit procuration. In other words, the person does not answer and they agree by silence. That's what the term means. Uh, this, this leads into discussion of what's called collateral estoppel. Now, collateral estoppel is, let's say, for example, you have a situation where somebody uh, comes uh, comes against you that, say, you owe so-and-so bound for a debt, okay? And so you never heard the guy before, and, or, 
and so you say, I want to see you verify this debt and where it came from and the amounts, et cetera, and who you are, and they never respond to you. You send a letter out to them, you give them a fault, and, and then a default, and they never respond. You might use a third-party witness, for example, or, or another witness to verify their their claims as far as any response. So they never respond to you, but then they come on back to you later, and they say, okay, you owe this money, and I want to collect the money. Well, they already were collateral or stop if you do this correctly. You give them a notice of collateral stop over that matter. And uh, so if they move forward against you, they're abrogating your rights because the doctrine of collateral estoppel is well recognized as far as court processes. All right, so if they come against you anyway and they want to pin you against the wall, so to speak, for the for the debt, they never verified, they have a problem. Okay, so anyway, next one. Uh, sovereign immunity does apply where government is a lawbreaker or jurisdiction is the issue. Uh, so sovereign immunity does not apply where government or these agencies coming against you is a lawbreaker or jurisdiction is the issue. So they they don't have immunity, okay, unlike what they say. All right, does anybody have a question about that? And this is pretty simple. It's now, that, star eight, that was, if you have any questions, it's star eight. So far, I don't see anybody. Oh, good, good. Uh, that that quote I just did, that was under Arthur versus Fry, F-R-Y, uh, 300-F-S-U-P-P-622. Uh, that's where that came from. The next one is um, knowing failure to disclose, to disclose material information necessary to prevent statements from being misleading or making representation despite knowledge that that it has no reasonable basis in fact are actionable as fraud under law. That's Rubenstein versus Collins. 20 F 3 D 160 comma 1990. So that's 1990 case. So again, what this particular thing is saying is if they fail to disclose information and basically their failure to disclose it leads to the improper conclusion okay, because the facts are not completely there. That's really fraud. That's, that's actionable. Or or you can come against them for, for fraudulent statements. Uh, next, uh, okay, along with this, uh, this is one thing on the section here uh, dealing with this. The party in interest may become liable for fraud by mere silent acquiescence and partaking of benefits of fraud. So this goes along with what? Uh, silent acquiescence is the same thing as really as, as tacit procuration. Okay, so so when they when they're silent on there and asking uh, the questions and they don't answer properly or they don't confirm anything, uh, they're fraudulent. Uh, France, uh, this is under Branson versus Standard Hardware, Inc., uh, under 874 S uh, period W period 2D 919 comma 1994. So it's 1994 case. Uh, next, um, I'm, I'm going over all this because all this is very important as far as the basis here. Um, this is a Latin phrase. It says ex dolo malo non orator actio. It means out of fraud. No action arises. Fraud never gives a right of action. No court will then to say to a man who founds his cause of action upon an immoral or illegal act. And that's also found in Black's Law Dictionary under the fifth edition, page 509. All right. Next dealing with fraud. Fraud destroys the validity of everything into which it enters. And that's Nudge versus Burroughs, 91 U.S. 426. And the next is Fraud Vitiates Everything. That's Boyce versus Grundy, 3 PET to 10. And it goes right down. I mean, it's like, oh my God, how many pages are this? Um, 
there's a lot more fraud here that I can go into. But it, here's one of the major key ones is fraud vitiates the most solemn contracts, documents, and even judgments. And that's U.S. versus Throckmorton. And Throckmorton under 98 U.S. 61. So you take, for example, with a, when a citizen or person challenges the acts of a federal or state official as being illegal, that official cannot just simply avoid liability based on the fact that he's a public official. For example, judges think that since they're a judge, they're totally immune, and they're not. In the United States versus Lee, under 106 U.S. 196, 220, 221, uh, 1 FCT, 240, 261, the United States claimed title to Arlington, Lee's estate, via a tax sale, some years earlier, held to be void by the court. In so avoiding the title of the United States, the court declared no man in this country is so high that he is above the law. No officer of the law may set that law in defiance with impunity. All the officers of the government, from the highest to the lowest, are creatures of the law and are bound to obey it. It is the only supreme power in our system of government and every man who by accepting office participates in his functions is the only the more strongly bound to submit to the supremacy and to observe the limitations which it imposes upon the exercise of the, of the authority which it gives. Shall it be said that the courts cannot give remedy when the citizen has been deprived of his property by force is a state seized and converted to the use of the government without any lawful authority, without any process of law, and without any conversation because the president has ordered it and his officers are in possession? If such be the law of this country, it sanctions a tyranny which has no existence in the monarchies of Europe nor in any other government which has a just claim to well-regulate liberty and the protection of personal rights. And that's, that's extremely clear, I think. Okay? Uh, and then another area here, um, you know, where officials and even judges have no immunity, that's Owen versus City of Independence, 100 SCT, 1398, and Maine versus Tybo. Uh, and Hanford versus Malo, uh, officials and judges are deemed to know the law and sworn to uphold laws. See, here's the thing. You go in these courts, and the courts, uh, the, the judges typically roll people over. They, they will take everything they have because they all tie in with the system of, I guess, greed and, and corruption uh, because they can cash in on these bonds, so the Millerack bonds and other bonds, as far as doing the property uh, at will, just about. And there's hardly anybody to stand up against this. But basically, having these people know, and people say that, oh, they don't know what they're doing, they know exactly what they're doing. Okay? So these, these officials and judges can't claim to act in good faith and willful deprivation of the law, and they certainly cannot plead ignorance of the law. Even the citizen, uh, that's a capital C, not a small C, that's a, a person who is uh, um, like a small uh, lowercase, lowercase person, uh, lowercase man or woman, uh, cannot, plead inter cannot plead ignorance of the law. The courts have ruled there is no such thing as ignorance of the law. It's ludicrous for learned officials and judges to plead ignorance of the law. Therefore, there is no immunity, judicial or otherwise, in matters of rights secured by the Constitution for this United States of America. And that's, that is a reference to that. You can see that under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983. Okay, and this is where when lawsuits are brought against federal officials, they must be brought against them in their individual capacity, not their official capacity. And this is one thing I've been saying all a long time, is that when you address these individuals, uh, when they come in and try to destroy their rights, and when you build them or you put a notice of lien or a lien against them, you address them in their NSA capacity. And what does NSA mean? It means as an individual. 
to take their their name, their, their first, middle, and, and last name. Okay, and they they are in uh, first name is the, the letters the first uh, word of each of their names is, is capitalized in lowercase, so it's mixed case, all right. The comma in SA, which is lowercase, comma DBA, that's doing business as comma, and you take the all capital name, uh, capitalized all name, comma their position all capital, okay, and then you have your the the function the, the outfit they're working for uh, could be a law firm it could be a court whatever as far as that goes and their title and then their outfit they work for all, all that is capital all the way through the address and then you have put down comma supervisors errors agents assigns because the reason you want to do this is that they're not attacking you from their official position they're not being paid to break the law, they're being paid to maintain the law. So the the office is not coming against you. It's just that individual. So that's, that's who you attack, right? So when federal officials perpetrate constitutional torts, and a tort, by the way, is an action of one man against another. Uh, if you look it up, as opposed to a crime. Um, they do so ultra virus or beyond the powers uh, their powers, and they lose their shield of immunity. That's Williams versus U.S. Department of Agriculture under 815 F2D uh, 369. That's under the also ACLU Foundation versus Barr 952 F2D uh, 457 comma 293 U.S. APP and then D.C. 101 and that's CADC 1991. So that's a 1991 case. Now, another one here says that personal involvement in deprivation of constitutional rights is prerequisite to award of damages, but the defendant may be personally involved in constitutional deprivation, deprivation by direct participation, failure to remedy wrongs after learning about it creation of policy or custom under which unconstitutional practices occur or gross negligence in managing subordinates who cause a violation. That's Gallegos versus Haggerty, uh, ND of New York, 689 F-93. That's a 1988 case. Now, explaining this one, okay, basically it says that all the parties involved that knowing what was going on are really involved, they are really liable, okay, they're the defendant in this case because you're going to make them for their constitutional deprivation of your rights. Right? So so basically, as it spreads around each of the parties that is involved in trying to come against you and abrogate your rights is also liable, right? So so they, they might say, well, this is our policy, this is our custom. Well, a policy is not law. A policy, statutes, closure, rules, and regulations are not law either. These are not passed by the legislature. These are, these are basically all operating under color of law. They sound like law, but they're not law. All right, they're two different things. So, so when you take a look at it, the law requires proof of jurisdiction to appear on the record of the administrative agency and all administrative proceedings. And that comes, by the way, from a case that most people know about. It's Hagen's versus Levine. That's H-A-G-A-N-S versus Levine, L-A-V-I-N-E. That's under 415 U.S. 533. Okay, does anybody have any questions so far? Hit star 8 on your phone. If you have any questions, hit star 8. I got a question. Sure. So how do you enforce it? Well, they, what I've been doing is when they come against you, I found that the parties you try to address to their superiors are typically don't do anything about what's going on, whether it's the U.S. Attorney General or the State Attorney General or other parties. It seems like they're all on the same side. So what you do... Uh, what I've done is do a notice of claim of lien. 
and basically you list all the things that happen to you in this process and where your rights are abrogated, and you say, here's my charges for each of these rights violations, and you have so many days to respond, either A, to make the situation correct to bring it back to where it should be, or B, if you wind up moving forward without your claim and proof of claim and everything sworn to under penalty of perjury with cross-examination to verify everything you say is true, complete, certain, and not misleading, I will thereby put a claim of lien against you in our private contract. And with this private contract, it's just between you and me, and the courts have nothing to do with it because I have a right to contract with you in any in, in any capacity whatsoever, so except for illegal activities, of course. So what you do is say, well, here's my bill. I will send you a bill. I will put a lien on you, but it's a special type of lien. It's a non-lease pendants lien. So you put it on them in their individual capacity when it comes down to that, and they can't remove it. You're the only one that can remove it. Okay, so if they if they wind up straightening out and get this thing fixed up and get it going, you can remove it. But otherwise, you keep it on there. And so then the next step you do, if they want to still mess with you with this, is you contact all the major credit reporting agencies and say, these people are bums. They, you, you have liens uh, against them. They're not paying their liens. You want to report it to them. So you can drop their credit rating down to zero or below. And then if they still mess with you, then you go down to contact the IRS or the state controller and say, you'd like to report this the liens you have against them as income to them and imputed to them because they're not paying you. And that since they're holding them back, you have to have maybe a 10% retainer fee or more uh, for, for uh, as a whistleblower, all right? And, and you will, you really want to mess up their lives really good. So if they, they think they have problems now, but they wait a little bit and mess with you, then they could have a lot more problems later, right? So that's how so, we do this. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people have gone to prison filing liens, especially against public officials. What? Yes. Well, that's, that's true. But in studying the, studying the matter, you'll find they don't do the process right. They just put the liens on it. So you do this, you, you come against them, put the lien on it. No, you give them the notice of lien. Okay, you can wait 14 to 21 days in that area. I've got the stipulations for that in my system here somewhere. But 21 days is really safe uh, before you put the lien on it. It's just like a probate court. So basically, as a private contract, again, you're addressing them addressing these people in their individual capacity, you're not addressing them as a public official at all. That's the difference. So if so if the guy you're addressing is is uh is uh Judge John Doe, okay, you're addressing him as John Doe. They're not addressing him as Judge John Doe. That's a big difference. So he can't come in and say, Well, you know, he's coming against my my Position as a judge. No, we're coming against him as a man, a one man against another, or creating a tort. A tort is a damaging one man, one man is damaging another in a tort. You have a right to do this, okay? They can't, you have the unlimited right to contract, and so do they. If they want to enter in a contract where they they are self-fully liable for all their actions, and they can't move forward afterwards. And that's their problem, all right? I've done this lawfully and destroyed a billion-dollar company with one case, and I stopped a major foreclosure some years ago using this method. Okay. Nobody went to jail. Okay, right? so we have some people with questions. Um you're in California, your phone is going to mute, then unmute, and it's your turn. Walter, are you there? Yes. Hold on. Right, so, Hold on. Hello. In California, yeah, go ahead. Hi. Hi, Walter. Uh, Hi. Hi. Um, 
I wanted to ask, do you put a, do you put this right to contract or not to contract? This type of contract is trying to get a contract by the acquiescence. Can those be put on a UCC? If you get them to default, completely well, they don't answer. Well, UCC, okay, if you're working on the private side, what I recommend, if you do any filings against them, you do it with a non-UCC uh, on the on the bottom of so the check for non-UCC. Why non-UCC. would you do that? Because you're working on the private side, not the commercial side. Oh, okay. All right. You can still do the UCC, but I recommend doing the non-UCC. Checking off on the bottom right hand side, you'll see it somewhere down there. And also, don't forget to. Pick up Baylor Bailey and transmitting utility, but um, this put your lien in on a UCC one against them, and that makes you perfected. Okay, this you can put the, the valid lien is one thing. You're showing all the facts that they uh, what they did to begin with to enter into the lien from the notice, and then basically show that they didn't respond or they moved forward against you without your permission or consent and they had no valid authority to do it, then from there uh, you do the claim of lien. So you don't just put the lien on a person right away because, you know, I don't like them. I, the judge did this and the judge did that. You have to have some valid, valid reasons, okay? It's, this is all a reasonable process. It's not a system made for dinglings who just want to do this because they like to do liens. I mean, you know, there is some sense in this whole thing is, uh, you know, it's so, a serious operation. Can I follow up on that? Sure. So Tim Turner showed a lot of people how to file liens, and they went through like a four- or five-step process. They gave all kinds of notice, you know, the original negative environment, and they followed up with uh, the first follow-up, the second, and then the third, and then they filed liens. So they had all kinds of notice, and people still went to jail. What's the difference? Well, well, here's, well, here's the difference. This, you have to know who you are. When they come against you, okay, well, I think I mentioned, did I mention this at the beginning of the show? Maybe not. When they come against you, they are addressing you as a decedent, typically. Now, if they address you as a decedent, okay, you're not a decedent, you're a living man or woman, in this case, may be. Okay, mm-hmm. so you say, where is the death? certificate for the decedent. That's the number one. Number two is if it's a decedent, they can't deal directly with a decedent so they have to send in a creditor's claim to send to the executor of the estate and they typically don't do that either. Okay, then that claim form gets reviewed by the executor to pay it and it might go through probate court. So it's a probate operation. So basically, they're they're doing they're trying to do a probate process in an administrative court. So it's the wrong court. So there's no subject matter jurisdiction. Is that a good move or what? Uh, but then they ignore you and they do it well, anyway. Well, ignore you ignore. Well, you have people have to. Here's here's what this whole thing is all about. People have to stand up no matter what. I mean, what are your rights worth? You have to stand up. I mean, people want to sit down. Everybody sits down when, when their rights are challenged. They don't do anything. Guess what? Nobody has any rights. So you have to have more dust and brains. You're willing to stand up for what you have or what you, what you need or what you require. Otherwise, you have absolutely nothing. So if the, what I'm if trying the, to do the probate court to take it to take the case because it's moving a civil case over there is uh something they're probably not used to. Well well, well here's the thing with probate court. I, I know some people that know how to do probate court really well as far as paperwork. I, I did a little bit myself in the past, but I'm not an expert at it. All right. There there's certain things you do that has to be done, but I don't know all the ins and outs. I never play my will. But okay. there's always people out there that know what to do, okay? And if need be, we can probably get somebody that can do, help with this if that's possible. But 
what I'm saying is you're not coming in, you're not demanding a probate court to begin with. You're saying you're entering paperwork in an administrative court. This should be processed in a probate court. You're not entering things properly. There's no subject matter jurisdiction. First of all, you're not the, you're not the decedent. That's who they're addressing it to. What if you were living in the same place and they sent a letter that was addressed that said Coca-Cola and had your address? Would, would you open it up and go to court because you're Coca-Cola? Do you see any difference? Right? Yeah. They were relying on, they were relying on you to make the identification for that name. So there's a couple of couple of things you can do, okay? There's several statements you can make. First of all, anybody ask you, you know, are you so-and-so? You say, are you addressing me? They'll say yes. They'll say, then, okay, what's your, what's your name? Okay, you say, well, my mom calls me son. You can call me son. Or people call me counselor. You can call me counselor. You ask me for my name. That's what people call me. There's no contract. There's no contract that you have with them to do anything. Where is their jurors? By what jurisdiction are you relying on to ask me? You know, that's another thing you can say. I'll put that in there with it. Another thing you can say is, I am the delegator and assigner of the trustee of the you whom you're addressing, and I'm assigning you as trustee as I'm the executor, beneficiary, and personal representative saying. And I demand full settlement and closure, in this case to be dismissed with prejudice. And mm-hmm. and presentment of presentment of all your bonds. Click. People have to stand up and do things, not just sit there like a dodo and or, or, or just you know spin around like a top. You have to do something that's less meaningful and, and constructive. And learn law and be able to do things. Otherwise, everybody's going to go down the drain and, and no one can complain because no one ever did anything to stop it. Good point. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And, that, and what right. I'm doing here, I'm trying to have people understand what's going on, what the law is, what it says, and what you can rely on what it says. Not not some donkey who acts as a judge who doesn't have an oath or doesn't have a bond and just makes statements and, and he makes a statement against you and says, well, I, th- I find you that you should have this or that done and, and have no reason for it. He says, anytime they do that, you say, well, okay, in, in making your decision, okay, what are you relying on as far as the evidence that has been introduced and directly cross-examined to show that everything is truthfully certain, not misleading, that's what you're relying on? Or, or is this your legal opinion? Or are you coming and making a legal termination for me without my consent and rushing me to judgment? Well, you should be recused. Which is it? And he says, well, I'm going to charge you with contempt. You say, is that civil contempt or criminal contempt? He says, okay, that's criminal contempt. Okay, where is the injured party? Where is the injured party in this court, in this, in this courtroom? <laughs> Who has a claim against me? He says, well, that's civil contempt. Okay, well, then, okay, where is the contract? Where is the contract that I signed? Where is it here in this courtroom? Where, who's, the, who's the party that, that I have injured in the contract? Yeah, where is very- it? Okay, where is it? Okay, your failure to, your failure to stipulate is your admission that you are making a legal termination without my consent. I can spit this out all day long. People uh-huh. need so, to be able to do this. <laughs> so we do have somebody else that has a question here. Okay. okay. I've got another one, Chad, but take other calls. Maybe if there's time, I'll come back in. Thank you. All right. Sure. Thanks. California, your phone on mute. It's your turn. Go ahead. California, your phone just unmuted. Unmute your phone. You aren't talking to me again, are you? I just nope. I just unmuted myself. Uh, am I California? No. Oh, okay, I'm gonna mute that. 
California, your phone unmuted. You had your hand raised. You started to talk earlier. Hold, I'm going to mute your phone and then unmute it. That way you know it's you. Okay, go ahead. Well. Is it me? No. Okay. Was your phone just muted and unmuted? No, sir. Okay. Well, somebody that started to talk earlier, um, I muted them, and I uh, just unmuted them, and I think they put themselves on mute. So, oh, well, that was their... uh... So, tell you what, if you want to go ahead and ask your other questions, since this other person isn't responding, go ahead, and then we'll call it a night. Okay. Walter, you said that Hale versus Hinkle, I believe, is the case that allows a pro-per opportunity to cure, correct, if if they did something wrong? Well, as we're reviewing the case here, let me me pull it up real fast. I I have it here. Um, Hale versus Hinkle, I I just go right down the line. Yeah, one of those cases. Here it is. Yeah. This is where it says something about being pro-per in there. It says basically you have to you have to stand upon your constitutional rights as a citizen. Okay, and you basically what it's saying is you have unlimited power to contract. Okay, and you're not owing any duty to submit to the state. Okay, because again, there's nothing. There's no contract you have with the state. Think about it. The, the state is out there. These are your your officials, your public officials. Mm-hmm. They have a sworn to con- to uh, honor your rights that you're guaranteed to under the Constitution of the United States of America. You're not guaranteeing to honor their rights. They're your service, right? Correct. Have these, huh. As public Good officials, enough. they are mm-hmm. below you because we, the people, are the one that's formed this. Not well, this, this leads to my question regarding a case, a civil case that I answered immediately with a counterclaim challenging jurisdiction and in my paperwork demanding that uh, the challenge jurisdiction be answered at that hearing or collateral estoppel applies. Apply something you were just talking about earlier. Collateral right, right. They never answered. They railroaded over me. They did a judgment, did an immediate uh, objection, demanded to dismiss. They ignored that. I did an appeal. They were the appeals court was colluding, and uh, they accepted my fee waiver. It was on the docket. Uh, fee waiver accepted. And then at the last minute, uh, as the notices for appeal and everything had gone out, I get a call from the clerk that the appeals case has been dismissed because the transcript, which was checked, uh, was not paid for. I said, but wait a minute, right here on the docket, that the fee waiver was accepted. She goes, that well, has nothing to do they, with they the lie. They lie. The okay. There is no corruption in the court. It's just a mental illusion. Right. Well. <laughs> right. I, then, then I understand you can. One way to get back in a case is by having new evidence. Now. Well, they you just, can have, they, they you can have new evidence. Yeah, you can have new evidence against them. Okay, but the problem is you're still working in an administrative court. The, the, all the administrative courts out there. They can only deal with corporation or business to, or corporation to corporation. They cannot deal with a living, living soul. Why? Because they're administrative courts. So that's why you always are addressed in the all capital name. I understand right? all that. So but what I'm so wondering is can you, you don't want do... to do a counterclaim? You come up with a claim against them, and if necessary, then you pop it into probate court in which case it's 21 days for them to answer, and you come in there, they'll have no standing. Hang on a second. Um, I talked to our attorney friend in Texas. Yeah. Uh He says what you do is you start 
another court case with a but, claim. No, no, not the same one. You go and you start another one. I know. And then you do a motion to join the two. Yeah. I was thinking I've never heard you say that. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. What I was wondering from you, Walter, was when you've got a claim of new evidence, um, usually, you know, no appeals court lets you bring in new evidence. That all has to be done in in the initial proceeding. But... Could you file a, hey, I got new evidence in the actual appeals case and say my new evidence is, hey, I'm so her, and you're supposed to give me an opportunity to cure, which I asked the clerk on the phone, wait a minute. Well, well, I'll well, bring the money down right now if that's the case. And she said, nope, it's over, dismissed, and slammed the phone well, down on me. Well, well, anyway, first of all, you never, you, you never want to be pro per in anything. Why? Because you say you're pro per, you say you have to follow attorney rules. Number one. Number two. What, you, what's better? Number. What's that? What's 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 the alternative to pro per? Well, the alternative you come in and present yourself. I'm present my presenting myself. If you present yourself, the other side really is required to present themselves. You're not so representing. You're not representing anybody because you're not the decedent. And you're not representing the decedent. You're there as yourself, as a living woman. Okay? And well, you I, I, used all that, I used all that language, but then I, uh, I guess I'm... I know, but, but you don't want to say you're representing anybody. You're, you're, presenting, you're presenting yourself. Good point. So when you're you're in in the court, if you're presenting yourself as a quality, as mandatory and paramount under the law, the other side has to present itself. So if it's a city or a state or a county, they have to be able to get up there and talk. But they can't because they're fictions. And there's no fiction there. They'll go up there and stand up against you and testify because a fiction can't talk. Correct. So here's right. the next question. Can a probate case be started? Like Tad, Tad suggested a new case. Can a probate case be started new by me and then join that that other case that, that was administered? Well, well, that, well that, I, think, I think the attorney was talking about having another administrative case. But it's more powerful to go into a probate case because the probate case is is the area dealing with jurisdiction, dealing with a living man or woman. The right. administrative courts don't. They don't have that jurisdiction. You can't be there as a decedent. You're not dead, are you? No, okay. no, and I get that. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So, we'll be so getting there. We'll all be getting there pretty soon, but we're not there yet. I know. <laughs> right. We are getting closer. All right, so we do have one other person that has their hand raised. Let's go to them real quick. California. This would be John. John. This would be John. Hi, how are you doing? And Walter, thank you for your, your uh, time tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, my question is regarding the pro per or uh, other uh, presentation, as you say, and uh, what are your thoughts on Haynes versus Kerner and especially Platsky? which requires a pro se to be assisted by the tribunal, the commissioner, the pro tem, the judge, whatever it may be, or the administrative uh, law uh, tribunal to um, help them if they make a mistake or an error and help them correct it. Well, you're saying that they're requiring you to be pro se and have these other parties to assist? No, I'm saying if I go in as a pro se, the only one that has to assist me is the judge under a pro se pursuant to Platsky and Haynes v. Kerner. Well, well, that's fine. There are statutes, codes, rules, and regulations for them to follow, not for yes. you. You're not a public official. Correct, correct. But, but, sec- but secondly, you never want to be pro se because you have to follow attorney rules. You are a self-presented litigant. 
Remember okay. That I would, okay. I, 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 I've never used that, so I would uh, certainly like to pursue that with you. Um, okay. Only uh, it's my my impression that I do not, because uh, Haynes specifically states that pro se are not attorneys and and they do not they do not know the law and therefore they have to be given well special well they but they are expected to so you don't yes. want to use any terms dealing with representation you don't right. want to represent anybody because right. when they represent somebody then they're falling under the court rules for an attorney I agree I'm with telling that. you and you can look you can look things up and I have a lot of stuff in my head that rattles around. Something comes out right once in a while like this. But I'm telling you, you don't want to do that. You want to be a self-presented litigant. Or okay. you can say, if they put your name down there as defendant, then you put down comma, your all lowercase name, your first name, comma, middle, I mean, hyphen, middle name, colon, last name, all lowercase, comma, as, as, uh, as claimant uh, against them, okay. and then the plaintiff coming against you would be the wrongdoer. Okay. All right, good. All right. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Sure. All right. Oh, okay. Actually, I think that's going to do it for tonight. So, um... Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Walter, <laughs> thank you very much, and everybody, You're thank welcome. you. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.